Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 1. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And loving favor rather than silver and gold. In Psalm chapter 8 and verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings you have ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. And when I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is a man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visited him? O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Isaiah chapter 56 Verse 4, we will one day have a new name. 56 and 4, thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths, choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant. Unto them will I give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than of sons and of daughters, I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the comparable scripture to that in the New Testament is in Revelation 2 and 17. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone And in the stone, a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving him that receiveth it. You're going to have a new name someday. You probably don't even realize that you already have a new name. Might not be aware of it. I've appreciated the teaching of Brother Matson on several occasions. And if you've ever heard him speak, this is the way he will end. Remember who you are and the name that you bear. Remember who you are. If you were listening to the song service today, like a glove, I know who I am. I know who I was, but now... I know who I am. I am the eldest of four children, born to Richard and Dorothy Kylie. I think my parents didn't know if I was gonna be a boy or a girl, so they had a plan in place. If I was gonna be a boy, I was gonna be named after my father, which meant I would be named Richard. If I would be born a girl, I was going to be born Dorothy. And since I was born a boy, I got my father's first name of Richard 
and they decided to give me my mother's middle name, which was Ellen, and so they just made it Allen. So I became Richard Allen. But more than that, I was not just Richard Allen living, and by the way, this is a neat little fact you might not know about. I was, I lived on the intersection of Richard and Allen Rhodes. Right where they met, that's where I was raised, Richard and Allen Rhodes. But here's the point I want to make. The most important name out of those three is Kylie. Not Richard. Not Alan, but Kylie. And my father taught me that I should never do anything that would shame the family name. And I hope that you feel that way. That you would never want to do anything to shame the family name. The name of Jesus. The sweetest, the highest name that I know. I would never want to do anything to disgrace his name. I am bothered by people that take his name in vain. And I'm bold enough to tell them I am. I just say it this way. I've learned that you never create a wolf when he's in a wolf pack. But when he's alone and you got a rifle, you're in charge. And I have said to people, sir, you may not realize it, but when you use that name in vain, it really bothers me because that's the sweetest and the highest name I know. That's the family name. It's not wrong to make that correction one-on-one in a respectful manner. You wouldn't let them talk about your dad or your mom that way. And I wouldn't talk that way about your dad or your mom. That would be disrespectful and it would be hurtful. Can I get an amen? Amen. And I don't want to do anything that would hurt or shame the name of Jesus. Now, I want to share something with you. This happened in in my walk today. I get last minute stuff, so I, I really don't have this as prepared as I'd like, but I know the gist of it. And I'm going to pick on my friend today here. My friend, Jeff. How many Jeffs do we have in the house today? How many Jeffs? There are a few Jeffs. Okay, we got some Jeffs in the house. How many Jeff Browns do we have in the house today? Would you raise your hand? Oh, there he is. So we could have Jeffs, but we only got one Jeff Brown. One Jeff Brown. So the most important name in Jeff Brown is Brown. Now watch this. I want you to see a visual illustration of a spiritual application. I'm sorry if this is too simplistic for you, but I hope you can get it. So this man's name is Jeff Brown. Okay, Jeff Brown. Who's this woman next to you? Shelly Brown. Shelly Brown. And, and are you friends? Yeah? Just friends? Okay. Is she special to you? She's your other half. So she's your wife. Do you have any children here today? Any brown children claim this man in... 
Thank you. Thank you for that. Now, I'll tell you something about this man that I know. That woman belongs to this man. And if you mess with her, you mess with him. And that young man and his beautiful wife are also Browns. And if you mess with him, you're going to mess with this guy too. Because he bears the name of Brown. And in bearing that name, there is identity, there is ownership, and there is authority. That's what a name does for a person. And in case you didn't get it, I have Jesus' name on my life. I took it in the waters of baptism. I am a son of Jesus. I am a child of Jesus. I am a part of the bride of Jesus. So you mess with me and you're messing with him. And it would be better for you that a millstone were hanged around your neck and you were thrown into the sea than to mess with what belongs to Jesus. Because that is the highest, the sweetest, the most beautiful, the most powerful name that I know. And I am proud to be owned by him, to be identified by him, and to be under his authority and under his power. And that is where my safety comes from. And that is where my authority comes from. And that is where my provision comes from. Oh yes, oh yes, I'm a child of the king. And his royal blood now flows through my veins. And I, who was once wretched and blind, now can see. Oh, yes, oh, yes. I'm a child of the king. You should be proud to be a child of the king. He has never shamed me. He has never embarrassed me but he has loved me and watched over me and taken care of me. I can tell you today that the Old Testament is full of titles, but there is no name. Titles everywhere of God in the Old Testament. I could mention just a few for the sake of discussion to prove my point. Jehovah Yahweh, Lord Jehovah Elohim, meaning God is all-powerful. El Shaddai, the Almighty. Elian, God the Highest. Roi, the God who sees. Olam, the Everlasting. Jireh, the Provider. Rafi, the Healer and the Restorer. But there are no names there. 
They're only titles that tell you about his character, his nature, his authority, and his power. But there's no name. Even Isaiah chapter 9, we love to quote this verse of scripture, tells us that whenever you mention his name, if you knew it, this is what you would say about him. Oh, he's wonderful. He's my counselor. He's my mighty God. He's my everlasting father. He's my prince of peace. But they're only titles. Only titles. They're still no name. And throughout the entire Old Testament, the prophets, men of God, would say, tell us your name. Jacob, tell me your name. How is it you ask after my name? How about Moses? You tell me that I'm to go to Israel and I'm to go to Pharaoh. What will I tell them your name is? Give me a name so that I can be labeled with identity and with power and with ownership. God said, you go tell them, I am sent you. I am? I'm so glad he said I am. I'm glad he didn't say, you go tell them I was. You go tell them that I will be. No, he didn't say that. You go tell him I am. Because you know when he says I am, that means it fits every circumstance at every point in time. That's what I am does. So he's saying, you just tell. So if you've got a need today, somebody preach with me today. If you've got a need today, I want you to know that the I am is in the house. And what's more, if you're going to call on the I am, now you get to call on the name of Jesus because he is the great I am. He is the great I am. When Jesus was in the garden and all that army of guys are around him and they're, they're trying to apprehend him, and he said, well, who are you guys looking for? Well, we're looking for Jesus. Did you hear what he said? I am he. And when he said I am, they fell on their backsides. It knocked them right off the ground. I mean, if somebody said to me, I am and gave me their name, and it knocked me on the ground, I think I'd be heading in the other direction. That'd be enough for me. But he gives us just these little glimpses of his great power and his, and his great authority and his great connection to all that God was supposed to be in the Old Testament, now standing before them in flesh. With all the authority and all the power that have previously been mentioned. Let me share this with you. I'm going I'm to give you a little test today. I'm going to list a few names. And when, I, when I list some of these names, you're going to, your mind is immediately going to race to them. And you're going to have a few favorite thoughts. And, and this is going to be a bit of a broad range of names. And here's what I want you to do with these names. I want you to figure out how all of them have one thing, one thing in common. Okay, you ready for the list? Let me give you 
the list of a few presidents. Washington, Lincoln, Kennedy, Reagan, even the infamous John Wilkes Booth and Lee Harvey Oswald. How about some actors for the old people like me, like John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, and you can add any name you want. How about a couple of athletes like Starr, Favre, Rogers, invent any other names you want. How about some musicians, music groups that you're familiar with, perhaps even by their first names? Think about them. How about some Old Testament greats like Noah and Abraham, Moses, Daniel, David, Solomon, and how about just a few New Testament greats as well? How about 12 disciples? And how about the Apostle Paul? What do all these people that I've mentioned and, and others that have come to your mind, what do they all have in common? Philippians chapter two. He made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name, a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, here's what they all got in common. Every knee shall bow of things in heaven things in earth and things under the earth. That's what they all have in common. One day, if it hasn't happened already, it will happen. If he has to break every knee, he will. But every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. I don't care what your title is. I don't care how important you think you are or how much money or influence you have had on this world. You are nothing compared to Jesus and one day you will realize it on your knees. I had this thought today at the altar. I thought, I stood there with my hands up and I said, does God hear a man when he feels strong and yet he lifts up his hands and talks to him? Yes, I think God hears a man when he does that. Does God hear a man when he's sitting down in a chair and his mind is on Jesus and he just sits there and he talks to him even though he's in a comfortable position. Does God hear a man when he does that? Yes. Yes, I think God hears a man even when he sits in a chair. Does God hear a man when he gets down on his knees? 
And he lifts his hands and begins to talk to God. Does God hear a man when he's on his knees? Yes, yes, I, I think that God hears a man when he's on his knees, but this is the thought that came to my mind. God can hear us in each of those positions, but when a man is on his knees, or a woman, or a boy, or a girl, he is in the position, listen, the position of humility where he not only hears from God, but God hears from him best. And while that man is in that humble position talking to God, which appears to be so submissive and weak, he is really his strongest. And Satan fears people that humble themselves before God. He's terrified. He's not afraid of your size, your strength, your position, or your titles in life. But when he sees you on your knees, with your hands up, calling on the name of Jesus, he's looking for an exit. He doesn't want to be anywhere near you. You think Satan's bothering you and you feel like you can't get enough rest? I'll tell you, get in the position of humility and you'll sleep like a baby. Why? Because you are identifying with who you are and under whose authority you have come and who is the owner of this property. The owner of this property. Jesus is the highest and sweetest name I know. Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 12, verse 41, and the end of verse 41 reads this way, a greater than Jonas is here. In verse four, uh, 42, when he spoke of Solomon, he said, and a greater than Solomon is here. I want you to know that you have been in the presence of God today. The presence of God, the highest name I know. Let me share this with you. The Old Testament was full of titles. The New Testament has them too. But there's a big difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Because the New Covenant begins this way in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. She shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. There it is announced by an angel that God is coming and his name is being revealed for the first time, for the first time. And his mission, for he shall save 
his people from their sins. He's finally come. His name has been revealed. But his mission, his mission was not to establish and allow Israel to rule the earth, but it was to save his people from their sins. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you the overseers to feed the church of God. Look at this. Which he hath purchased with his own blood. We are the purchased possession. He paid for us. He purchased us. Wow, that's ownership. I'm glad to be owned. You know, can I say this, and I hope I don't get in trouble for saying it, but sometimes ladies think that, you know, we don't like this, this idea of, of a man being the head of his house and the wife being submissive. You know what? You should. You should be glad to have a man that will stand up for you and protect you and take care of you. If I'm the, a part of the bride of Christ, that's the way I feel with Jesus. I don't have to be out there leading the way. You go ahead and lead the way. I'll, I'll just stand at your side or a half a step back and do whatever you tell me to do. I'm willing to be submissive. Submissiveness brings you protection. Protection. And so I, I, what about Jesus, our example? He humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Take a look at this in, in 1 Timothy 3 and 16. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, there's only one person that can fulfill this verse of scripture. And his name is Jesus. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached to the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. It's the highest name I know. Acts 4 and 11. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the only saving name under heaven. That's a high name. That's a high name. Wait a minute. What about Muhammad? You know what God says when he hears Muhammad? Who? Buddha, what about Buddha? Who? There are no other gods, I know not any. That's what he says. There's, there's no rival, right, Brother Rob? There's no rival, there's no competition, there's no equal. This isn't even a topic of discussion. There's only one saving name under heaven. And that name is Jesus. 
praise God. One saving name under heaven, and that name is Jesus. Colossians 3.17, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, go into all the world, Jesus said, and preach the gospel to every creature. For he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be, shall be damned. Let me stop here. Thought about this too. Some people say baptism doesn't save you. I disagree. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 21 says, the like figure whereunto baptism doth now also save us. That's contrary to that doctrine. He also said here, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Sounds like baptism's necessary to me. And for the one that makes the argument and says, and he that believeth not shall be damned and says, well, they left out baptism. Well, if you don't believe, you wouldn't be baptized. Come on, use your head. And then he goes on to say, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Here's how you'll be identified. We'll, we'll know who the true believers are. Aren't you glad to be a true believer? Here's the true believers. You want to know the signs? Here they are. Cast out devils. Speak with new tongues. There's another argument. Oh, I don't believe that we speak in tongues anymore. Well, that's not what Jesus said. He said, these signs are going to follow them that believe. So if you're a believer, you'll be speaking in tongues. If you're not speaking in tongues, you're not a believer yet. You might believe some things, but you don't believe all things. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. Those are the signs that follow the believer. And notice that it all takes place under the authority of the name of Jesus. In my name, these things happen. In my name, very little happens. But with God, all things are possible. You know what? I think I've made my point, so I... I may be old, but I'm smart enough to be quiet when I'm done, so let's stand together. John chapter 20, verse 27. The encounter with doubting Thomas and Jesus. Verse 27. Then saith he to Thomas, Thomas, Come over here. Take your finger and stick it in my hands. And then take your hand and put it in my side. And stop being faithless, but believing. And look what Thomas says to Jesus. My Lord... My God, my Lord, not just the Lord, my Lord. More titles, Lord, Christ, but Thomas knew who he was speaking to, and he gave him his rightful titles already, knowing his 
name. Brother Meyer quoted this, and I'll leave you with this today. I, I do preach for response. I thought about that while I was praying today, too. I, I know I've, I've said to you several times, can I get an amen? I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to see if you're with me sometimes. And, and I thought, why, why do you do that, Rick? Why do you do that? Well, I, I'm, I'm looking for a response that, that we're connecting here. Looking for a response. And you know what the Lord said to me? That's not the response I'm looking for. This is the response. This is the place of response. That is the place of response that God's looking for. And Brother Meyer quoted it already. Thanks for stealing my thunder, brother. But, but Isaiah 55 And while you're turning there, we'll read that and I'll invite you to this altar. God's word is like a boomerang. Where it originates from, listen now, is where it comes back to. So God takes his word and he slings it. And it goes through this person to the rest of us. But it ultimately comes back to God with a response. Sometimes the response is favorable. Sometimes it is not. But it always comes back to the one who gave it with a response. So shall my word go forth out of my mouth. Not just the preacher's mouth. God's mouth. It shall not return unto me void. It shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. So what is your response to the name of Jesus today? Is he a Lord or is he my Lord and my God in him will I trust Jesus I pray today that by your spirit you will draw people to this altar to respond to your word and your will for their lives and we'll give you all the thanks and praise Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.